so glad that you could join us uh, a little bit for today. So just a little introduction. My name is Bo Counts. I host a, a, a local radio show and podcast that focuses on movies and movie history. And this is Cody. Now I'm Cody Ford, and I am the editor of the Auto Class. Everybody out here's name is Cody or Travis. <laughs> it, it's, it's a good name, Pam. It's a very good name. Very good name. Well, um... Yeah, again, thank you so much for being on here, and we won't take up too much of your time, but we did have a few questions we wanted to ask you before we just get things going. Uh, so you will be appearing at SpaCon in Hot Springs. Uh, oh, I'm overdue. I'm so glad. So this is your first time in Arkansas? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. You really have to work on growing your brand so that you can have work and develop, you know, uh, movies, absolutely, whether they're, you know, $5,000 digital, you know, shorts, films, documentaries, or even, you know, $25,000 movies or million-dollar movies, but you have to support the brand to get financing and funding. I, uh, a, a good friend of mine, he financed a movie. He had a, it was a $2, two million dollar film. You know, that's a pretty nice budget for any sort of. That's a very good. That's a very good budget. A, a very very good budget. And and if you have so great script, and if you have a brand of an actor that brings box office or revenue, yeah. then you'll get that funding because the 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 financiers. The people who put up the money, money will say, hey, well, because of this actor, he's so good. He has a following. He has 500,000 Twitter followings. He, he's on, um, we can, we'll use that base. Uh, we'll use Instagram. We'll use Facebook with all followers. And we, you know, we can promote. We have a certain window to promote. And they do a marketing research where they go, well, when, when are people most visible and really like this actor? He might not have a lot of followers following um because he's not into social media but he brought funding he brought because i have closed deals i have funded um a small independent movies that i like the script so much i came aboard next you know they're getting another two three two hundred fifty thousand dollars or three hundred thousand or five hundred and whether it's dvd ancillary markets you know um it's just it's great to know that you have uh, some viability in your name and your brand and that it can fund a movie. And since I made a lot of my movies 50 years ago, to be able to have a brand now where I can do that and now with um, uh, my autobiography, Foxy, My Life in Three Acts, we have Jay Farrow, who read it and came aboard to play Richard Pryor in my book, In My Life. And we found um, uh, Idris Alba, who's a big fan of mine, wants to play my grandfather, which would be wow. fantastic. Yeah, and then um, uh, I would love to have Ryan Reynolds uh, play my uh, former agent, John Gaines, who discovered me where I was working at the agency, one of my three jobs while I was trying to get into college in the film school. And I just transferred from Colorado, and you know, I was my gas was before you were born, twenty five cent a gallon. Wow. <laughs> 
way before you were born. Uh, I was 69 when I came to California. And um, once, once I became very popular by taking on, I was attacked for the third time, and I asked Roger Corman, please, you know, can I take this job? I know I'm not an actor, and I, and I turned it down the first time because I don't want to get fired. I'm a college student, and I need tuition. So I took on the job. He helped me uh, learn Stanislavski, uh, the, actor, the actor prepares. I did very, very well for the first, you know, five movies. They gave me a three-picture deal. Next, you know, I'm this, this actress who's a gymnast. And, you know, back in the day in Wyoming, where I'm from, Daddy Ray, my, my granddad, used to teach all the girls how to hunt, fish, and shoot, and drive the tractor and bring the boat in. So I brought that to film. And that was the new, you know, idea, the new um, concept that would create another audience and another brand uh, as women in action, women who, you know, and I was used to, I was a gymnast, I skied, and everyone said, you skied? I said, yeah, black people in Colorado, we ski. We we ride horses, you know, and pull people on skis. We do crazy stuff. And so I brought a lot of my, you know, outdoorsiness to the work. And uh, lo and behold, it caught on. It became very lucrative. Uh, Coffee, Foxy Brown, and Sheba Baby were my my three-picture deal. Then I did Friday Foster, the comic strip character. And then from the success, I did a film in Rome. And I started doing, I did a film in Rome, one in Martinique. I was being asked by foreign film companies, it was a German one. Uh, I just started, you know, the brand was developing. The brand was, she will bring box office. She will bring, bring funding because she has an audience for what she's done and what she do. You know, and I, when I would work in, in um, film, I, you know, I'm a comedian. I'm very good at drama. I play uh, uh, instruments. My first week in California, I backed up Bobby Walmart, and he sent me to his friend, and it was Sly, Sly and the Family Stone, to do backup singing with Stevie Wonder's Wonderlove, the backup group, which was uh, Minnie Riperton and Lanny Groves and Sarita Wright and Denise Williams. And... Yeah, and um, where is that recording? Can you imagine? Uh, because they had a jam session, and as they were sending us home, in walks Jimi Hendrix to jam with Sly and the Family Stone on my first day, second day in, Cal- in California. Uh, my head exploded. <laughs> I bet. I was never the same. I said, oh, so this is the land of milk and honey. Okay, now I see why California is all that and nothing exists outside of L.A. County line. uh, See this now. Um, And I was enthralled by the artist. I was enthralled by the passion. And and Marvin, what was Marvin's name? The first boom man and sound man who worked on my first Coffee, Foxy, Brown, and Sheba, he had done like 10, and then he won an Oscar for his own. His name was Marvin. I can't remember his last name. But it was so proud to see that they were as passionate. Because let me tell you, you guys, to, fight, to set up mics, to keep mics going. And now they've, they've, they're tiny. The battery packs, the mics are tiny. The battery packs are tiny. We're putting them in our bras now. The mic your pack. Your uh, yeah, but but little tiny ones in uh, under our armpit in our bras, oh, yeah. and so you don't see the lump in the back of your waistband 
or anywhere. And so um, it's it's just it's great to be a part of something for so long that you adore and you're, you know you have passion for to see it evolve to see you know that there's other companies i was so glad that um when you have hbo and showtime they will play your films which helps to continue and grow your brand and that's when it begets funding for other films whether they're small or large but there's actors without the and i tell people without the fans there are no actors and you really, the fans help you. They help you build your brand. They help you become viable. They tell you when you mess up. And I wouldn't say the other, the four-letter word. <laughs> <laughs> but they tell, but but there's the exploration uh, of uh, of art. And, and back in the day, my favorite films were Bertolucci and Fellini and Truffaut and Bergman, uh, that Fanny and Alexander when he first did that 360 without cutting. Oh, yeah. Okay. Was, and then, how about this, Das Boot? Oh, Das Boot, come on. The, the first steady cam. Amazing. Amazing. I, I screamed. I had to see it three times. Such People thought I was nuts. I said, that's where I need to. I love film. But when they, they have that camera angle, you should see it right now today. It's, uh, it's breathtaking. So tell us a little bit more about this biopic of, uh, of Foxy. I'm, I'm really curious. Uh, well, it's it's about my life, how I got into the industry, and and uh, just wanted to survive a a a veil of a um, a patriarchal society that didn't, um, if you say, harness um, the the aggression and sexual aggression towards women. And, and girls and children, and I was attacked when I was six, and again at 18 in college. And um, uh, the last attack was when I was in California on my lunch hour from APA, um, who handled me later. I had three jobs, and um, I was so frustrated. It was a, It's about a journey of a young uh, woman coming from very, you know, simple means, who's trying to get an education, and because of the beauty that she's not aware of, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar tries to marry her and take her away from her goal of getting an education. And Islam is basically, you know, women women are subservient. You are a slave to man. And there was these things that I read about being a Muslim woman that I just said, you know, so wait a minute. We are such a great couple before you converted. Now it's a whole different you know, dogma that I, 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 I'm not understanding. I'm not understanding how you want me to be and, and walk behind you, and I can't shake a man's hand, and I can't speak in a room, and I have to serve, and I have to do... And he, he was adamant about it. And so I realized, okay, this is the world. This is what the world is. It hasn't become, it's always been this way. What do I want? Do I want to be a woman who trades off her independence to live with a man, have children, be a basketball player's wife, live in a big house, or being, do what I'm told? Or do I want to get that degree that, and become a filmmaker? And whether it's a camera person or a DP, I really like film. So I'm going to stick with the film. So, and I, you know, it, it's about you a woman loving the people who love you but you love yourself more same way with richard pryor i loved him 
because he was going to pull me down and I would lose my identity and I would lose my my ability to to do what I want and have choices in life um, that women were fighting for the women's movement and then also with Freddie Prince so I as I was trying to just be creative and be successful on my own and on my own terms there were these these bumps in the road, roadblocks of these wonderful, exciting men of affluence and who, you know, I could take, I could make the choice of being with them and living in their, their, their fame and light and, and, and money and success, or I could have my own. May not be as big as theirs, but I wasn't brought up that way. It's your own road. It's, it's exactly, but it, it is a message without pontificating to to women, because often the trade off, whether it's religion or culture, they'll trade off. Like okay, I'll stay at home, have my kids, and my husband can do what he wants with me. Yeah. And 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 I won't get an education. I can't do anything. So if he has a second family, I'm up. You you know what creek because I won't know how to do anything. And I, you know, can't fix anything, and I, I have to find someone to do things for me, and and often that creates a resentment. And I've had uh, couples friends that start out that way, and when it gets a little rough, and you've got three kids, and and you're trying to whether it's homeschooling or you've got soccer, and you you're shuttling kids back and forth, and you have no not enough hours in the day, and you're gaining weight, you're sleeping, you're not pretty for your husband, your dinner's not ready, it's this and this and this, and it's tough. People don't realize what it's like, and I. I said, you know, I've gone through so much. I just want to figure out who I am as a human being. I want to know. I've seen women being so oppressed and, and, be, and then being left with children and a house, and, and, and now you're reduced to a lower income, a lower, you know, whether it's class or, or economic situation because of divorce and children and no one's prepared. And, and I said, I, I've, I've seen a lot of that. I grew up with a lot of that, and I don't want that right now. If I have one children, I want to be able to take care of them myself because after the Vietnam War, a lot of men did not come home. And my mom, my my dad, he he was overworked and overburdened. And when he came home, he had a home that he didn't pay for. My mom paid for it. And uh, a lot of my neighbors, they came home, and and um, women had to put on overalls and go to the hardware store and figure out how to keep the homes and do things they'd never done before. And that caused a lot of rift. I had a stepdad that did not like me cutting the grass. Especially if I did it better than he did, he was old school. A lot, of, and that was a that was. You, you guys are very, very young, and you, you probably heard and read and saw grandfathers and and relatives in your family very demonstrative. The men didn't want women to do their work, and they were offended. And women did not make more than their their husbands, and all kinds of issues that are completely different today with millennials, with equality and what uh, the generation X and generation L and Y and all the generations of women are a little bit more independent, and, and young men take on uh, duties that their grandfathers would never do with children or you know, potty training or cooking or cleaning or doing anything. And um, I, I talked to some friends of mine who their daughters, they, they said they were waiting for you know, these guys who had jet skis to invite them over. And I said, buy your own jet ski. Get a used one. <laughs> figure it out. 
Don't wait for anyone. Like you, not never get this day again. Don't be afraid to buy your own jet ski. I got mine and snowmobile and a horse trailer and a dually and horses. And I get a, I took my horses up to to Canada when I was shooting the L word. Yeah. Road trip, beer tacos, had a ball. <laughs> Four-day trip, driving up with some divorcees, having hanging out and letting our horses rest every four hours. Went up to Canada, took my horses there, rented a 26-stall barn, trained my, continued to train my horses for a therapeutic riding program. Wow. Had Jennifer Beals' baby shower in the lounge of my arena, and um, I, and all the L girls they came over. We had a, a party. We had shrimp and crab, and I would after work go over and ride my horses and train them. After work, life's too short. And back in the day, men would not allow you to do that. Well, they wouldn't allow my mother to be that independent. That's something that I find really interesting about uh, your career and your story. And, and, of course, with Biopic coming out right now because, you know, you are for all intents and purposes one of the first, like, women of color that was also a strong female action lead. And that was 30 years ago. And to see the story be just as relevant, just as powerful, and hopefully just as uh, to, to be as, as educational to young people now. It, it blows my mind every day to see that it's still relevant. It's psychology. It's human nature. Very often it doesn't change. And um, to see women, whether it's culture or dogmatic and religion, and and I keep you know I have everyone. When I and I'm invited, I have um, for humanities a doctorate from e, uh, Maryland University Eastern Shore, and I have an honorary doctorate from uh, Langston University for agriculture and science uh, because I grew up, you know, being a farmer, grew up being you know, understanding climate change and food growing and organics and cancer and toxins and all kinds of things that I bring to awareness. I constantly am invited to to speak, to keep people engaged. You know, education is like a mantra. It's like chanting. It's like yoga. You repeat it. You can't just, you know, pronounce it, uh, present it one time and expect everyone to get it. It's something that you constantly do. And each time you present it, it could be a little tweaking here, a little more humor there, a little more drama there, a little more dislike. But you still have to do it daily. So people will retain and get it. And it's often for me to get out and say, okay, we're not, women aren't monolithic. Men aren't monolithic. They're conservative, they're uh, moderate, they're liberal, they're fundamental, and in religion, and in culture, and in demographics. So don't just generalize. There's so much wonderful exotic spices out there to enjoy whether because i go to seders my friends are and are having rosh hashanah i've been to seders and 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 to um uh, uh religious different groups from muslim to my hindu friends they invite me over for you know that and their pakistani friends and and um and it's so wonderful to see the cultures that you thought were all conservative and they're not. They're very different, as we all are. But there's so much to enjoy, but so much, so many stories to tell, but also to 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 add to your character and add to what you do. You have to go out and and observe. 
That's what comedians do so well. They observe various cultures, whether they're against them or they're for them or they rub up, you know, they, they laugh at them, they're satirical. Um, but that's what enhances your storytelling and it fulfills you and makes you a more interesting person to get more work. And when you sit down with producers and directors, you know, I also did a um, pilot for Fox with Dak Shepard, Lake Bell, and oh, Ed Baker. Don't you love Dax? Oh, he's hilarious. Well, Dax Shepard and Lake Bell and Ed Begley Jr. and myself, we did a pilot for Fox called Bless This Mess. And it, it, I am this sheriff in Nebraska, and it's like this rural area that I live in. And when I read this script, I said, this is not authentic. This is not like where I live. These are real people who have, you know, they don't get new trucks and new cars every year. They they have, you know, if they're going to say something, they won't, like, I don't curse. Only if, it costs, if it's on the script. But I can't curse around my relatives' friends because they don't. And if the worst thing we'll say is we're going to wake the neighbors up. And that, to us, we giggle at. And no one else may get it, but that's as, as crass as we get, yeah. as, disre- as being disrespectful to other people. So when I was reading the script, I said, there's, you know, I, I'm not going to put on lip gloss. I, said, I, can, I can get the same effect by eating barbecue ribs. <laughs> you know, I just had, and I, and I said, you know, um, and I have this cow that I'm the only sheriff in this area. No one would take it. And I have a hardware store and a, and a lumber yard that I, that I own, and I'm raising a daughter. And, and I know a lot of people isolated go, oh, wow. And it, is, it was so authentic. And so when a lake is uh, frightened by a cow, I said, oh, that cow ain't going to hurt you. By the way, that's my bomb-sniffing cow, you know, she does. And, and before you know it, uh, uh, she said, was it going to hurt me? I said, no, now, but if you come after her with a knife and a fork, there might be a different outcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't help you. So this is, I just, I love playing this role because I learned from my environment. I learned from great people around me to enrich this character. And I hope this pilot goes because it'll show a non, like, yes, there are black people in the heartland and Indian Native Americans in the heartland. And, you know, it's been, these are new stories that have been discovered. And it's about a young couple that leaves the city of Manhattan to go back to an aunt's farm and try to live off the land. And it is a riot. Oh, wow. So are they looking at that for this fall then? Mm-hmm. It's a, a mid-season replacement, and um, I have the feeling they said it's got great, great, great reviews. It'll be fantastic. I did it before I did the Keaton movie. I did This Is Us for NBC, and then I did great the show. pilot, and then I did the Diane Keaton movie, and I just couldn't do it. And then Tracy Morgan calls and wants me to play his mom on his show with Tiff. And I said, well, I don't think we have the dates. It was like August 2nd, and we were shooting until the 8th or something, until the hurricanes blew us away, and I couldn't do it. And uh, so I know from the groups calling me for various drama and comedy, it's because of my passion and observation of humanity around me to bring something unique to the work, or I'll pass. If I don't see it, I said, how can I help you be successful? What can I do to make this 
you know, not derivative, because a lot of the work is boring and derivative. I can't tell half of the shows and the people, because they all look alike and maybe they emulate each other and see, as opposed to being really, really unique. Like This Is Us is quite unique, and I like the, the conviction, you know, I, my character is killed off, Milo's character is killed off, and, uh, but yet you go back in time, which is the greatest part of their lives, and I really like that. But but to what I was saying, sidebar, is that you can't, there's so much new information, new stories and narratives to highlight today. And if the actors are alert and are not afraid, they can come up with some incredible, incredible, you know, um, uh, I don't know if you watch um, um, Frankie and Grace. I haven't seen it. Oh, with Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda. Oh, I have heard of that. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Is it? Brilliant. Or The Ranch. I've seen no, The Ranch. The Ranch is yeah. great. The Ranch is There's so many great different shows. Ozark. Uh, yeah, I, I just it. finished season two. Oh, my God. I, I, I need oxygen. <laughs> <laughs> it's so intense. Well, it's um, there's, it takes place so, just two hours north of us. And, and that's why we wouldn't get that on network television. We would get those on Netflix. Thank God for Netflix and Amazon. Because that's what takes us even further into our, our humanity. Well, they're bringing cinematic narrative in a long form to a medium that was always kind of reserved for, you know, encapsulated episodic stories. Like TV was never uh, initially a big storytelling medium, but now it is. And you can get like a Isn't it wonderful? Oh, it's amazing. And, and and the advertisers, but the audience has grown up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, the audience is able to accept the many subcultures of others. Yeah. They may not embrace them, but they're open to exploration, and then they can leave it. Yeah. But that's what I was getting to in the long arc of this conversation, <laughs> is the that we're not monolithic. Our audiences, our culture, our America, our entertainment. Yeah. And because of it, it has opened up where now you didn't hear about spas. You didn't know when it, it was only for the elite or the very rich at a hotel. Yeah. Now we've got farmers who break their backs at age 30 or coming out of elements um, have after having a massage because my wife told me if I don't do it I won't be able to get to work and they're and they're having steam baths and they're drinking green love green tea yeah. and there's a Starbucks out here and now a Domino's pizza <laughs> do you know what it took <laughs> we're t- we're talking Elizabeth Colorado you know very rural one one block town. It's a cattle ranch, hay, you know, homegrown, you know, perfect place to just kind of hang out. And then kids are coming back with purple dreadlocks, pink dreadlocks, buying chickens, having eggs, and, and going, you know, you're just having a uh, coming back to the farm movement. Yeah. It's, it's a well, beautiful thing. Well, well, Pam, speaking of spas, are you going to hit some of them up when you're in Hot Springs? Because they definitely have a few. They've got some great bathhouses, get you a massage, all that good stuff. Oh, come on now. I'm booked. Oh, okay. Yeah, you, you, you're already out. <laughs> I'm <this>. already booked. <laughs> I'm ready to take my dreadlocks out, <laughs> cut them off so I can just have a towel, just like go in and who? Because have you ever been to a sweat lodge, a Native American sweat lodge? I have not. 
Well, if you, there's, I think there's some Mon- Montana uh, that are very nice in the West Side, Durango, Colorado. Some of the the, the dude ranches, they they have spas and sweat lodges, and I think there's some in, lots in New Mexico and Arizona, where these companies are very very pure and holistic. They're, you know, mom and pop reservation right off the, literally right off the reservation, and they hold these sweat lodge spas and massage and hiking and photography and just getting out there. And then you have your sweat lodge and with all the herbs and the steam, and you can have it privately or with a group, and you hear this wonderful Native American uh, flute music. And I swear, you transform. Sounds pretty awesome. Uh, you close your eyes, and all these toxins, toxins, and, and and impurities come out of your pores. And they have these stones in the center, and they're pouring eucalyptus water and tea leaf, tea tree oil and lavender oils on these rocks. And you're inhaling it, and your skin starts to tingle. And you're you don't even feel your body sitting on these mats on the floor. You're so elevated. Yeah. It's just incredible. You got me wanting to go book a massage right now. Yeah, it, it's you know, and, and you can get a massage afterwards, and you fall asleep. They literally put you on a gurney and roll you back to your room. Oh, I need that massage. Yeah, Why am I not at SpaCon? Yeah, it sounds amazing. I'm not kidding. So with that said, content, we have to keep promoting wellness. Yeah. It's not an elite... Um, um, vanity, beauty, uh, reg- it's about your soul and your spirit. Yeah. Well, and it connects you to that because when you wake up in the morning, like I have, a, I, my, if, I, if I wake up breathing, I'm going to have a good day. Yeah. Okay? So with that said, you're, you're stretched and disconnected by work and children and, and discussion and all kinds of distractions. So you need to be put back to that wonderful, pure center when you wake up in the morning. Yeah. And you feel yourself. You feel your muscles and tendons. You feel you feel if you something's growing uh, on the side of you that shouldn't be there. Or you can feel things. So, so it's always good to come back to yourself at the end of the day. Yeah. In, in tune. Exactly. Well, Pam, I think you're really going to like Hot Springs when you visit. And uh, people who want to see you at Spotify. Can you guarantee that? Uh, I will. I will do my best. I will do my best. Uh, yeah, but you, is this Bo or Cody? This is Cody. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I, I think you'll love it. I always love visiting. We, Bo are I, you from Arkansas? Yes, we are, and uh, we live a little north. Born and raised. I am South Arkansas myself. I'm, I'm. I'm not born here, but this is home now. Don't you love it? I we love do. It. I love we it. Do. And we. I have friends that Alabama, Arkansas. And of course, you know I have friends in the in the Carolinas and some of my relatives because they're horse people, and I'm so concerned by them. But when we were in Georgia, we were starting to get a lot of the hurricane rains yeah. on our sets, and peeled away this arena rooftop that was scary as heck. Wow. Uh, you notice I say heck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's not as urban as it as I could be, you know, my man. <laughs> yo, 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 what's up? East East. So anyway, um, so th- yeah, I I I love the fact that so many families, young people, are r- really appreciating, you know, the new Arkansas, the new 
Alabama, the new things that happened. There's so so much richness. And and by the way, when we went down there to um, rescue hundreds of animals from a lot of people who live in in the rural areas. They they were thanking us for taking these animals because they would have these backyard breeding programs that didn't work very well because they weren't well educated. And many of the young people were so saddened the fact that they drop out of school in sixth, seventh grade. They don't have a GED, but they love animals and the fact that they can't get to higher education or trade school. So we talked to some of the vets, and it was fantastic that they would work with these kids and these families and get them their GED and train them to be vet techs so they'll have a, a career and pride. Yeah, that's. And it just, you don't see that there are people who are living like third world. They sell puppies to pay to pay their cell phone bill. Yeah, yeah, it 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 definitely can happen, and it sounds like you guys have a great program going on. And uh, yeah, we really appreciate you telling us about that and talking about. Can I tell you one more thing? Absolutely, Pam. One more. Um, With my publisher, Grand Central Publishing, and Little Brown, Mm -hmm. um, and I, George R. R. Martin, who created Game of Thrones, he hired me for um, his. uh, show um, it's uh, animated called Wildcats, and I played this this incredible dreadlocked woman in New York City, and and I have a, I did a Scottish accent, I did Spanish, I've been Latino, I did all kinds of acc- you know <laughs> that accents. And um, so uh, George, who lives in Santa Fe, he heard about me and some of the things I was doing with my charities. And um, when I had cancer uh, three years ago, I had tumors in my thyroid, and I was walking to the hospital next door to the VA hospital, and I, some of the vets recognized me, and I sat with them and said, how are you doing? Thank you for your, your service. And so what, what are you guys, you know, looking for to need? How are you doing? And many of them didn't have hands or fingers and they had Parkinson's and palsies and issues. And, and they'd been in the hospital, and there some were outpatients, and then I went in, talked to the volunteers, and said, you know, what can I do? And what uh, there are not enough volunteers to read to the vets. Many of the vets cannot hold a book. Many of them cannot read because of impaired vision, and uh, they're very weak or ill or infirmed. They need audio books. Every holiday... I go out on my tweet and to social media and request donations of audiobooks to your local VA uh, hospitals so that they can play them for a room full of vets or a vet that's lying in bed can put on headphones, earphones, and listen to an audiobook because they can't hold the book. Uh, that's so- something I had never thought about, actually. That's a really good program you're doing there, for sure. And you don't realize it until you lose the capability to use your hands or because you have arthritis or amputation or yeah. some other issues. But that, if you want to write about that, that would be fantastic because the holidays are coming up. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. It's, again, one of those, those blessings that you never really uh, think about that happens every day until it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Pam, so people who want to come see you, they can meet you, or you will be doing a panel discussion on September 22nd at SpaCon, photo op yes. at 1 p.m. and 2 p.m. there's a VIP party, and you will be out signing autographs on Sunday. Yes. So, 
Yes. Okay. Well, we look forward to having you here in Arkansas and excited about these projects you have on the horizon. The George Martin show sounds interesting, as does the Fox thing. And can't wait to see uh, Idris Elba playing your grandfather. And hopefully you can get Ryan Reynolds in that, too. So. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Oh, yeah. It, it would be amazing. So, so, yeah, it sounds like you have a lot of exciting things on the horizon. And we do look forward to all of that. And yeah, thank you so much for talking to us. This was a really interesting, you're one of the most interesting conversations we've had on the podcast. Absolutely. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And I'll see you soon. All right. All right take care, Pam. Thank you. Have a okay. good day. Bye. Bye, Bo and Cody. Bye-bye.